Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Podcast. Let's discuss cult artists. Are they genius or just bullshit? Part 2. What you are about to hear is deeply disturbing. A lot of people are kind of depressed. I mean, I'm happy some of the time and some of the time I'm not. Johnny Walker Red Send the poison rain Down the drain To put bad thoughts in my head Moving to Elliot Smith, um, I don't know as much about him other than the tragic stuff. I know some songs, right? But I, I really didn't dig in because part of it was I did feel like, am I only listening to this because of the backstory? Well, I can tell you that I got into Elliot Smith. Uh, I. The first time I heard Elliot Smith was actually I was watching the movie uh, Good Will Hunting, right? And in the closing credits, as Will Hunting is riding off in that beat-up Chevy Nova, yep. the song that plays is um, Miss Misery. And I, I actually stopped, and occasionally, very rarely, this happens where I hear a song and it actually takes my fucking breath away. Okay. You know, I, I heard the song and I just fucking loved this song. Right. And I actually rewinded the videotape and watched the credits again so I could hear this song. That that song just completely turned me on to all of Elliot Smith. Right. And I just started to get into Elliot Smith when he had committed suicide. Right. He killed himself in like early 2000s. Yeah. And he was like in his early 30s. Um, he, he stabbed himself in the heart. Yes. And see, <laughs> apparently there was some question about whether or not he did it or not. But He killed himself. It, he killed himself, definitely. And the wild thing is that unlike a lot of suicides, he didn't have any hesitation marks. Yeah. He just did it. He just the and they said that he was getting better. Yeah, right. he, he things were starting to turn around. And actually, um, uh, Ben Folds did a song. The song "Late" yeah is is about Elliot Smith because Elliot was Ben Folds Five toured with Elliot Smith. They were both opened for Beck at one point. Right, right. Well, the other thing is that it wasn't like he had not said he was going to commit suicide several he, times. He pretty much screamed it in a lot yes. of his songs. Yes. Well, even like in. Um, at some point on his last album, I guess he was working on it, uh, he started to smoke crack yeah. and own heroin and stuff, and he would talk about suicide all the time. And then he had like a, uh, some issue with uh, his record label where basically he said, if you don't release me from my contract, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. You know? He did that a lot. Yeah. He did that a lot. He, I mean, you look, you look at the names of a lot of Elliot Smith songs, a lot of times he wasn't trying. Like, there were songs called Walt Number 2 and No Name Number 4. And, right, you know, right. He, he, a lot of times he wasn't even trying. You know, and and a lot of the stuff, like The White Lady Loves You More, Yeah. I mean, that's that's a song about heroin. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. and there was, there was a, a lot of songs like that. Right. And you listen to, like, you look at the progression of Elliot Smith. I mean, his first record was Roman Candle, which right. basically sounds like it was recorded on a, on a four-track. See, that's where I'm talking about the lo-fi part yes. coming into this Roman cult. Candle is yeah. a great record. Yeah. You know, it's a great record, and it, was, it sounds like it was recorded in his living room on right. a four-track. Right. You know, the one after that, Elliot Smith, kind of the same. 
you know, it re- recorded um, very lo-fi like that. Yeah. Then you get into either or, which then people are. I guess he started to be more discovered locally, and he started to become more produced. Right. And that that's where a lot of where I would say some of the genius stuff was coming out. And, sure. And Elliot Smith wanted to be George Harrison. Oh yeah, he loved George Harrison. He wanted to be George Harrison so fucking bad. Well, the last song he ever performed. Uh, was a very obscure compared to what most people know of Beatles songs right uh, from the White Album by George Harrison called Long 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 yep and that's a dark song yeah you know? well it was all dark right? yeah yeah. and you, you listen to like EXO was was very produced very good there was EXO was, was the first one that I listened to great record uh, Figure 8 was like his happy record just a, a bunch of really really good songs on there and he was recording from a basement on the hill Right. Okay. He was in the middle of recording from a basement on the hill when he committed suicide. Right. So from a basement on the hill came out, and it was you know first posthumous release, and you know, wonder what the hell is this guy recording right. before he offs himself. That is the most one of the most disturbing records ever. Right. And some of it's beautiful. Yeah. Some of it's noisy. Yeah. Uh, some of it's just downright dissonant. Right. Okay. But the one thing is he was screaming suicide. Through the whole fucking record. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it was, it was amazing. I mean, it's it's like a a, a, a fucking forty five minute suicide note. Sure. You Instance. listen to a song called King's Crossing. Right. Okay, and basically, pretty much screams in there. Give me one good reason not to do it. It don't matter because I had no sex life, and all I want to do now is inject my ex wife. Seen the movie and I know what happened. It's Christmas time and the needles on the tree. Skinny Santa's bringing something to me. His voice is overwhelming and speech is slurred. And I only understand every other word. Open your parachute and grab your gun. Float down like an omen. The setting sun. Read the pawn and return at five. It's a hell of a roll. You can keep it alive, but I don't care if I fuck up. I'm going on a date with a rich white lady. Ain't life great? Give me one good reason not to do it. You know, some artists uh, kind of use that as part of their shtick. Right. And to where, you know, maybe, but. To where every single song, the feel, everything, and and him literally saying, "I'm gonna kill myself." You, you, if you can, drop in a song called "Strung Out Again." Yes, I okay. know that song. That's harrowing. Uh, it, it, it's it's brutal to listen to because I always thought, and every time I've heard this, it's not an easy song to listen to, sure. and it's not an enjoyable song. Sure, it's it, it's noisy and it's dissonant and everything else. But this, to me, and I've never done heroin in my life. Sure, so, but I would imagine. This is what heroin feels like, sure, and not not like the happy heroin high. I, I mean, this is when you're when you're strung out, right? This is what heroin feels like. You get what you see. I saw a rich fuck it charity. I saw an evil emperor. Clothes far from the best. They must suit you better 
heroin is that um, as much as I have romanticized some of these things I would never try heroin I mean it's like how there's nothing where it never has a happy ending no it doesn't and the thing is I've, I've known I've known a bunch of people who fucked up their lives really yeah, yeah I mean guys guys that I used to play in bands with I know people peripherally but I can tell you uh, that this year two people I knew peripherally had their children who were not who you would think of as drug addicts die from synthetic heroin. Yeah, well, experimenting. I, well, the guy, I was in a band, uh, my band in Decorous, when I uh, back when I was a teenager. Um, let me see, two of the guys got really strung out on heroin, pretty wow. bad. One, one, I'm not sure. I think he's still doing okay. Uh, I think he got off the drugs. The other one, he spent like seven years in prison, mm-hmm. got out of prison, and I heard that not too long ago, maybe a year or so ago, his son died of a heroin overdose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the best singer I've ever heard, and I'm not going to mention his name or his band, but the right. best singer that I knew by name, who was someone I'd consider a friend, who was not you know rich and famous and found, this guy to me I thought was really the real deal, and I loved his band and his music and everything, and they moved to New York, and that happened to him. Mm-hmm. The last I heard is you know he completely dropped out, became like this evangelical moved to West Virginia and has a mess of kids and stuff yeah. and you know it's um, I there's nothing romantic about taking heroin it is nasty well yeah and, and the thing is it yeah it's it's nasty it never ends well and it makes me wonder why people start right and I think you watch the movie uh, train spotting yes and they basically say well why do we do it because it feels good yeah <laughs> well um, I think I think it was Coltrane or one of those guys it was definitely one of the, the old jazz guys. And they said that if God had anything better, he kept it to himself. Right. And that people have described it as being like almost like in the womb, being held warmly yeah. by some loving force. You know, but man. But you, you, know, you, you lose everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, because <laughs> that becomes the only thing you want. Right. And it's not real. Yeah, I mean, and you, you look at I mean... We're talking about all these great artists, you right? Know, and, you know, people that basically threw their lives away, right? You know, they, we're talking about Elliot Smith right now, but yeah. I mean, that's a guy who who threw his entire life away to yeah. heroin. I mean, and yeah. he was a really good guitar player. And oh, he yeah. was a really good singer, sure. and a good songwriter. You know, I don't know if he, I don't know if I'd even call him genius. As much as I like Elliot Smith, yeah, I, I wouldn't personally just no, to, yeah because I don't throw that around too much. No, I don't either, and I, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't. He had some genius moments where it could have been, yeah, you know. But well, the song that introduced me to him um, came out uh, before he died, and before I even knew much of the backstory. But it was in um, that Wes Anderson movie, The Royal Tenenbaums, yeah, uh, and it was Needle in the Hay. Needle in the Hay. That's yeah, that that is the first song I think on the Elliot Smith record. Right, and it's actually used during an attempted suicide scene. Yeah. So that's interesting. You yeah. Know? And that was uh, a few years before he died.
was also probably the one with the goodwill hunting yes. somewhere in that time frame that started to elevate him yeah um, and, and I I believe that he kind of had the same thing with uh, as Nick Drake because uh, Joe Boyd said that people would tell him he's genius so often that he would sometimes get pissed off and be like if I'm genius why am I living like this why is nobody buying my records right you know that kind of thing um, Ellie I mean um, uh, Nick Drake would only sell like a few thousand records with each release. Right. You know, he was not knocking down doors with the amount of sales he had. Right. And apparently, kind of underneath simmering was this anger. And I had heard the same thing about Elliot Smith as well, yeah. and maybe even Mark, Mark Linkus, mm -hmm. where, you know, they would be told these things so much, they would kind of believe it, and then they'd be pissed off at everybody for not seeing it themselves right the and buying public and that's the thing I mean, you're, you're not going to find too too many bigger elliot smith fans than me right and no the man was not a genius right well <laughs> he's a great songwriter one of the last reviews of him playing uh was uh you know written on this it's like an online music magazine mm -hmm. um and the guy said uh the performance was worse he had ever seen by a musician it was an excruciating nightmare and that it would not surprise me at all if Elliot Smith was dead in a year yeah and you know and he was yeah I mean because he I mean I've seen some like uh, there is some video of him playing King's Crossing which is of course on the from a basement on the hill so you know it, it was a new song and you watch him playing it one it sounds completely different from the way he recorded it and two it doesn't sound good right right you know, it, I mean, basically, I watched a live video of him playing the song Happiness, which is off of Figure Eight. Right. Happiness is a great song. Yeah. But you, I tried to learn how to play that on guitar, and it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 guy, the guy was such a good guitar player and a good finger picker that yeah. to try and learn to play the song, you, your hands have to stretch all over the fret, sure. fretboard sure. in order to play the song. And I watched him play it live just so I could see how he was doing it. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't doing it well, and he wasn't <laughs> singing it on key. Yeah, and it was—it just—it was, just, was kind of sad and a bit yeah. pathetic to watch. Yeah. Well, I've seen lots of videos like that.
Another artist that I like a lot, but also kind of based on really a very narrow period of their career, is um, uh, this woman named uh, Sean Marshall, who calls herself Cat Power right. as a uh, as an artist. That's her stage name. I listen to a lot of that. And she has had major depression and public meltdowns mm -hmm. and this sort of weird sadness and stuff. Um, but there are songs in there that are really awesome. And she has an album called The Greatest that was interesting in that she went and got, you know, surviving old sort of uh, southern soul artists from like the Stax era and stuff. Uh -huh. And they took her kind of generally fragmented songs and made them really, you know, actual full songs. She has such a sort of a sultry voice and a plaintive voice that um, she's in a lot of commercials that people don't realize. Like I'd say she's probably made more money from commercials than any of her albums. Where is my love? Where is my love? 
See, and, and that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people, the you know, other artists or a lot of non-successful artists, yeah. they call that selling out. Fuck that, you know. It, it, well, <laughs> nobody would have heard of her yeah. in most cases, you know. Yeah. But um, she. Uh, I don't begrudge an artist that. Yeah, know. she has a song called "Where's My Love" uh-huh. that was used in um, I don't know some sort of pseudo romantic commercial, and it's right. beautiful. And even like if I still hear it, I don't. It it fits the commercial, and it doesn't seem like a like it's shitting all over the song. And then she did um, Space Oddity by David Bowie, and this is years ago before he died. Uh-huh. And she's just singing the, the open part, Ground Control to Major Tom, and, and all that stuff, and it, it just sounds really cool. And it's her voice. Right. And see, I'm really, I'm really captivated by voices, too. This is Ground Control to Major Tom. But again, this is somebody who uh, I think kind of under the pressure of she's a genius mm-hmm. put her on stage and then she has these weaknesses and things to where she can't quite deal with it and she shouldn't be exploited in that way but you know so she ends up broke right and you know committed and you know i think she's dropped out of music several times back and forth and you know comes back and I mean, you had mentioned cat power to me and I, I i listened to basically i i think i listened to pretty much her whole catalog right uh, you know in, in maybe in one day yeah at work and it was just kind of back to back yeah and um a lot of it was very repetitive yeah well so the thing was that she would do uh these um demos in her house so again talking about lo-fi and um she would she was very young and she'd make these demos and she would these things would get picked up and put out on you know record labels i I think matador was one of them right um maybe merge i'm not sure and then she got to do this album the greatest She has now stepped into this level, but she couldn't maintain it. Her next album, to me, I I don't get it. I don't know what she was going for. Like an for. implosion? It, it just no. It just sounded like somebody who didn't quite know what they wanted to do, and it almost honestly sounded like here, go in the studio. You have this obligation. Make this record. There are a lot of records out there like yes, that. Yeah. yeah, but it wasn't like let's throw this off. I think you know it wasn't that her heart was or wasn't into it. It was just I I don't I think she needed some guidance. Yeah. And you know, I don't I don't even know how she ended up doing the greatest album because I'm telling you that is on a whole different level than all the rest of her stuff. Right. You should give that a full listen. I will. I it, will. It's worth it and you'll you'll see what I mean. Yeah. Her early stuff definitely sounded demo-ish 
and, and, they're, and they're sometimes demo-ish is good right I mean there's I mean we're, we're kind of I'm getting a little bit off topic sure. here but for you to check out we were talking last week with the Ben Folds episode we were talking about Ben Lee yes now check out Ben Lee's record it's called Grandpa Wood Grandpa Wood okay and not like Grandpa Grand, it's Grand P-A-W Grandpa Wood right. It, to me, it sounds like Ben Lee as a kid, because he sounds like he's only about 16. Okay, recording songs on maybe a four-track, maybe even a two-track. Right. And the, the recordings, the a lot of the vocals are really bad. It sounds like it was recorded in a living room. Yeah. Or maybe in a bedroom. Okay, but there's some... there. It's not brilliant. Okay, it, well, it could... It could, there's, it could be brilliant. Right. You ever listen to that? Like you're hearing this, it's like, okay, this isn't good, but there's so much potential here that that I have to listen to this. I have, I really appreciate how good this could be. Right. Yeah. Well, there's there's a uh, a cat power song, uh, you know, kind of going back to songs of whether or not they are genius or not. Right. There's this cat power song, and it's called Werewolf. It's off the You Are Free album, which I believe is right before she did the greatest uh-huh. and her probably second strongest album. So the song Werewolf by Cat Power is used in this movie called Powder Blue. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a clip of Jessica Biel stripping and, you know, she's hot and all that stuff, right? Right. But um, she is clearly in some sort of stage of torment. a strip club but I cannot imagine them playing a song that is depressing as shit there's nothing sexy about it it's it's tragic yeah but that song 
I, I think it was brilliant for that scene. It's highly unbelievable. Right. But that's sort of how Cat Power songs are. Again, I think that the depression aspect makes you understand things that non-depressed people don't like. Right. But sometimes it makes you wonder if it's feeding the monster rather than helping with anything. And that's always the question. Right, yeah. You know, do you like depressing things because you're depressed? Or is it possible those things are making you depressed? Or both? That was what was interesting about her and Cat Power. And she's sort of like, to me, in this kind of state of where Sinead O'Connor is. Yeah, Sinead O'Connor. She's another one. We could do a whole show about her. Well, she has an album called Universal Mother Uh that I I think is also a stone-cold classic. And I don't really care about her music that much before, you know, the really popular stuff. Right. But this Universal Mother has songs on it that just... I've never listened to it. I'm going to check it out. fantastic. Yeah. And again, really dark and sad. Yeah. And you can tell that they come from sincere Mm -hmm. pain, you know? Right. See the child with the golden hair yet eyes that show the emptiness inside. Do we know? Can we understand just how he feels or have we really tried? See him now as he stands alone. Just children play a children's game Simple child He looks almost like the others Yet they know he's not the same Scorn not his simplicity But rather try to love him And I also wanted to mention someone I think who's had a less tragic ending, although it started really bad. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy named Roki Erickson. Erickson was in this psychedelic band uh, called the 13th Floor Elevators mm-hmm. and they were from Texas and it's kind of weird to me like Texas psychedelia yeah. it just is a weird thing entirely but yeah Billy Gibbons was in this band called the Moving Sidewalks uh-huh. which was a psychedelic Texas band uh-huh. and he was friends with Rocky Erickson uh-huh. and I think it's actually Rocky Erickson I just when I see it spelled I, I mispronounce it but so Rocky Erickson and him are friends and I don't know about Billy Gibbons, but Rocky Erickson basically took so much LSD it started to mess with him. Right. And um, he ended up, like, in the late 60s, getting arrested for having one joint on him. Uh-huh. And they basically said, you're going to go to jail for 10 years. And his lawyers argued insanity so he would avoid prison, right? Uh-huh. The problem was that they sent him to a state institution... And the, he was given electroshock therapy and Thorazine. For a joint. 
Yeah. That's fucking criminal. Yeah. See, that's, that's you know, yeah, I my, think anybody could agree that's... My, my inner libertarian is screaming. Well, I, I, don't, I think, I don't care how conservative you are, yeah. that is crazy. Yeah. Especially that he would have to claim insanity and then kind of be driven there in the process of being hospitalized. Yeah. You know, electric shock therapy for having a joint? Yeah, that's crazy. They used to do that to people. Like Lou Reed's parents had that done to him because they perceived him as being homosexual. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's I'm a million glad, stories of that. I'm glad we live in these times. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, I Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, it used to be that, you know, oddball people would get that. You know, Frances uh, Farmer, uh, who is an actress that you you know you kind of hear of through the Nirvana. Yeah, movie. yeah. Um, same sort of thing. She was outspoken and loud and nonconformist. And so they basically melted her down, brain, you know, uh, burned her brain out. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, it's some dark shit. So what happened with Roki was, um, and there's a documentary about him, he was schizophrenic, of course, right. as you would become, and uh, doing all kinds of drugs, totally, uh, again, his sort of mythology kind of aided and abetted him with getting drugs and you know, having certain people around him and that kind of thing. And in the documentary, it starts off where he would come home from wherever he was, and the first thing he would do is turn on two or three televisions, radios, stereos. I mean, like he would take at least 10 things right. and turn them all on. Mm-hmm. To be able to relax at all, right? Yeah. You know, it, to even be able to function. And the happy ending to the story is that his brother eventually got custody of him. I realized over the last year that I'm the only one that could have done this. I believe that my behavior will give him, in many ways, an anchor, and uh, he can become, in a way, completely independent. The court gave me permission to take Rocky to Pittsburgh, and I've been really laying the groundwork that Rocky will be on the plane with me Wednesday at 5.10. And unlike a lot of play, people who exploit their sibling who has talent, uh-huh. he um, got in proper treatment. And by the end of the documentary, this is like a whole different guy. Okay. You know, and it, it's kind of like, thank God. Yeah, I want to check that out. But there are scenes throughout the movie where he plays songs, and like his songs will actually be really amazing, you know? Right. Uh, he plays this one song in particular. Shit, I can't remember the name. I'm going to drop it in later. The song that has slipped your mind is called Goodbye, Sweet Dreams. But he's playing it acoustically like on a porch, and you're like, man, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's amazing, even though you can tell he's out of it. Yeah. But so that ends happily. Goodbye, sweet dreams. Goodbye, sweet dreams. Goodbye, sweet dreams. Goodbye, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. 
Once upon an end love My love does not too bright burn Goodbye sweet dreams Goodbye sweet dreams Goodbye sweet dreams Goodbye sweet dreams This is May 30, 1984, in Austin, Texas, and right beside me is Mr. Rocky Erickson, ex 13th floor elevators, and uh, these days he's in a band called Evil Hook Wildlife ET. Could you tell me about that name, Rocky? Uh, yeah. Uh, where where I got that name, you know, is um, my uh, you know, my my philosophy, you know, is that uh, is have a government, and it's called uh, you and I and me, and. Uh, the government's uh, philosophy is an ancient enemy. <clears throat> so, you know, it's like, uh, so the ancient enemy is Evil Hook Wildlife E.T., you see. These backstories add so much to the interest of the music that sometimes the backstory is so much more interesting than the music. Right. And that, you know, the kind of hipster in us all, and especially in certain uh, music critics, Mm -hmm. wants to go and say, Daniel Johnston is more talented than Paul McCartney. Yeah, that's you know, a bunch of horseshit. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. That's not an exact quote, but it might as well be. Yeah. I think all these artists are interesting and worth checking out, and, and if you've listened this far, you will have heard lots of samples dropped in of these various songs and artists we've talked about. The cult artist thing, the lo-fi, the outsider art, yes. to me, is very, very interesting. It, it is interesting. And it makes for great documentaries, but uh, not always great albums. Right. And I challenge anyone out there to listen to Trout Mask Replica by Captain Beefheart, a double album. I'm going to try and listen to it. If you get all the way through it, I'll buy you a steak and a beer. Done. <laughs> Subscribe to the Untitled Music Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. P.S. Paul never got that steak. He didn't make it through the first album. Are you up for the challenge?